Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tribe Podcast. Today is going to be so fun because I have one of my best friends joining me. Olivia is a friend that God knew I needed and to be honest, I've needed her for a long time. If you've been a faithful listener to the podcast, you heard me talk in a previous episode about how God fills our relationship gaps, and he has done just that for both of us. Olivia and I met several years ago through our church, and our relationship has blossomed so organically. We have really similar hobbies, but more importantly, we are aligned in our beliefs and our love for the Lord. So many of my favorite memories and laughs include Olivia. She is my friend for everything, every area of life. And what you'll learn today is that no topic is off limits for us. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, we are going to continue this healing series with a topic that is foreign to a lot of people because honestly, it's easier to not talk about than it is to implement it the way that God designed it. The topic is boundaries, and Olivia and I have been on a journey of immersing ourselves in this concept. We have read books and listened to podcasts, and while we don't consider ourselves experts, we are taking the hard steps of not only understanding the topic, but also applying it to our own lives. I want to start today's encouragement with a book recommendation. Olivia and I simultaneously read a book by Lisa Turkhurst, and it's called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, and we need to give credit where credit is due because through this journey of reading what scripture says about boundaries and walking through each chapter of Lisa's book has given us so much clarity and helped encourage us to seek out healthy relationships. Just to be clear, this episode is not us telling y'all that you need to throw up boundaries in every relationship that you have. In fact, in your healthiest relationships, you probably already have unspoken boundaries because you are doing life so closely with the other person. What this episode is, is an opportunity to talk about what God says about boundaries and what it looks like to lay boundary lines in a healthy and biblical way. So let's get into it. There are two types of boundaries drawn in scripture. One is a boundary that protects us and the other is a boundary that is drawn to guide us into prosperity. And when I say prosperity, I'm not talking about the worldly definition. I'm talking about prosperity as God would define it. Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 2 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. This chapter goes on to talk about all the ways that you'll be blessed. It says not to turn away from the commands of God and don't look right or left. And that's a great way for us to open up this boundary conversation. The definition of a boundary in its simplest form is a line that marks the limit of an area. And I want to address a few myths around boundaries. The two biggest ones I've heard are that boundaries are unchristian-like. When in reality, Jesus was the most boundaried person, boundaries were really important to God. And we see that because it's all over scripture. Another myth is that boundaries are the opposite of love and forgiveness, when in actuality, they are the way that we forgive others and move forward in love by protecting our hearts and our minds in the process. 
The two verses that stuck out to me where God drew boundaries in scripture are found very early on. And we see the boundary line that God drew when he created the earth. It's Jeremiah 5 verse 22, which says, I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. It was important to God that the water be separated from the land, so he drew a boundary line. Can you even imagine if he wouldn't have? We also see the boundary in Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden, and God told them that they could eat from any other tree besides the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God was setting a boundary with his people. To be clear, there were consequences for Adam and Eve for violating this boundary, ones that still affect us today. So let's start by defining boundaries so there's no confusion for our listeners. Olivia, what would you say a boundary is? Yeah, I would say a boundary first is a way of teaching other people how to treat you, letting them know what things are acceptable to you, what things are not acceptable, um, ways to treat you, ways to speak to you. Um, And they're really a way of protecting your peace in your own heart Um, and also just to help promote healthy relationships and the way that God designed them to be. Um, They help keep us safe and focused on the walk God has set before us to do. Um, But ultimately, boundaries are not just a good idea and an idea that we've come up with, but like Brittany said, they're in scripture and they're a God idea. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so if that's what a boundary is, then can you describe what a boundary is not? Yeah, a boundary is not um, a punishment for another person. It's not, oh, they did something to me, so I want to make them hurt the same way they hurt me, and I'm going to put this boundary up. Um, it's not a form of control control or a way to be cruel to the other person, um, and it's not to be used as a weapon against someone. Again, it's actually the opposite and more so to protect yourself. Yes. Okay. So now we've defined boundaries. Let's talk about the level of access that we give people in our tribe. You are going to hear more about trust and respect and the role that that plays in a future episode. But for today, what we're talking about is the amount of access that we give to others. Simply put, we cannot give everyone the same amount of relational access to our hearts and our minds. It is not wise, and it's not the way that God calls us to have relationships. We read in scripture that Jesus had his three and he had his 12. He didn't give everyone else that same kind of access. Trust and access go hand in hand, and they take consistency and vulnerability that is compounded over time. I'm going to give y'all an example. My husband has the greatest access to my heart and my fears and my struggles, but he has that because he has proven that he's responsible. Through all of our mountaintops and valleys, our couples counseling and leading small groups side by side, we have grown closer and more vulnerable in our marriage. But 15 years ago, he didn't have that same access to my heart because we were just dating. We need people to be responsible with the access that we give them for the amount of access to grow, and marriage is a great example of that. It would be irresponsible to give someone access to our heart and our mind without first having them show a level of responsibility. As we move forward in our conversation, we have created a list of steps to discern whether a boundary needs to be placed, so let's jump into it. Step one is to make a list of what is and is not acceptable in your relationships for that season. 
Each relationship is going to look very different, and so is each season. If you hear anything from this message, please hear me say that boundaries are not permanent. They are a temporary solution to use while evaluating the health of your relationships and to protect the best of what God created relationships to be. So this first step is about naming the things that are important to you and what behaviors you are and are not comfortable with. It's important to be not only hyper-focused and self-aware, but also prayerful and with a heart that is drawing close to the Lord because we have to recognize where we are willing to bend and where lines need to be drawn. Olivia, share some of your list of what's crucial for you in keeping your relationships healthy. And some of my most like key relationships in my life, um, these people are encouraging to me and cheering me on and helping me become a better me. Um, they're speaking truth and life into my life, but also like Brittany talked about giving them certain access. I've given certain people access who I know and I trust and we share the same values and morals. Um, and I've given them the ability to, um, speak that truth, but also sometimes speak that truth when it's hard to hear, to call me out on things when I'm not living up to the standard, um, that God has called me to, to the standard that I have for myself. Um, and so again, that's something I look for in relationships and that's not any and every relationship I have, but again, those people who I trust, who we've walked through things and we have shared goals and values. Um, but really too, a big thing is just people who are also desiring to grow and be the healthiest, healthier version of themselves. Mm, that's so good. One of the things that I love about our friendship is that we are so closely aligned on what we're looking for. And I know that God saw that when he brought us together. Y'all, when you are doing life with people in your tribe that are on the same path as you and who naturally want to grow and draw closer to who God has called them to be, it is so powerful. I will never grow tired of spending time with other people who love Jesus. It is just so life-giving. Okay, so the second part of step one is deciding what you are not comfortable with. And sometimes this list is a little harder to make, so it's worth taking the time to work through. For me personally, I have a really hard time condoning poor behavior and then saying, well, that's just the way they are. Because if a pattern of behavior is unhealthy, it needs to be addressed. Otherwise, it can be really destructive and detrimental to everyone involved. For my husband and me, we are careful about who we expose our kids to because they are impressionable and learning. And quite honestly, they're growing up in a world that is a lot different than what we believe in our house. So we are protecting their little hearts and minds. And at the end of the day, an unhealthy behavior is an unhealthy behavior. We have to be able to name that to protect ourselves and our kids. So step one is really the foundation for this process, and it's so important to take our time and to get it right on this step. Step two is an exercise called title stripping. And what I mean is that in order to more closely observe someone, someone's behaviors, we have to first temporarily strip them of their titles. This step is really all about watching and taking it all in because when you take away someone's title, you are able to more clearly see the person for who they are at their core. You're looking at things like their behaviors, their reactions, and their words. You're also taking into consideration the way that they make you feel and the way that other people feel when they're around. Just because someone has a title, it could be wife or dad or brother, it doesn't give them free access to treat you in an unhealthy way. 
when we are examining our hearts and whether or not someone is healthy for our lives, title stripping is a way of separating a person from the title that they hold. And I'll give you an example. As God has revealed this ministry to me, there are people that were once in my life that no longer are. In this season and with this ministry that God has entrusted to me, I can't take the chance of anyone causing me to stumble. It's in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching and he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I am currently living in that season right now. And what started out as a really scary and vulnerable adventure, I'm realizing is so life-giving and abundant and true. It's in this season where I've experienced the most peace and freedom, and these are gifts from God. Olivia, how do you protect your peace and the best of who you are in your relationships? This is a huge thing. Um, It's funny. I wear a ring every day that says protect your peace on it because it's something that's super important to me, and it's a reminder that I need to continue to have. Um, But with protecting your peace, we have to know that there's always things that are going to be outside of our control. There's always going to be people we interact with that we we can't control them, um, but we can control how we react and how we take steps um, to then protect our peace. Um, But I think the biggest thing with that is knowing the things that help me have peace, um, the things that don't help me have peace, and making sure I'm intentional with those things to um, spend more time doing the things and being in the situations that cause me to have peace, and then vice versa, not being in the situations or not doing the things that cause my peace to kind of um, falter. Um, But really with this, I want to protect my peace really to be the best and healthiest version of myself and not in a selfish way because I don't necessarily want to protect my peace so that I'm better for me, but necessarily because I want to be better for those around me. I want to be the best version, the healthiest version of myself um, for those around me, for those I love and I care for. And when I protect my peace, it helps me be the best version of myself so that then I can be the best wife, the best friend, the best employee, um, the best whatever, fill in the blank. Um, but protecting your peace is so, so important. Oh my word, that is so good. Because one of the lies that the enemy will use to try to derail you is that protecting your, our peace is selfish. But like Olivia just said, we don't protect our peace out of a selfish nature. We do it from a place of love so that we can be our best for the people that God has entrusted to us. Step three is to figure out if you need to just create some distance or if you need to have a hard relational conversation. In the last couple of years, my husband and I have had some challenging relationships that we have had to navigate our way through. And without the help of our trusted Christian counselors, And what I would just call our personal board of directors, it would be so much more challenging. Y'all have heard me go on and on about my counselor, Barb. Hi, Barb. I know you're listening. And I know that Olivia has gone through seasons of counseling as well. The impact of these coaches in our lives has been nothing short of life-changing. So Olivia, talk a little bit about how having a trusted Christian counselor to encourage and coach and guide you has helped you to lay boundaries in a healthy and God-honoring way. Yeah, having a trusted Christian counselor has been so impactful um, for so many ways, but one, it's someone who I can go to who's completely outside of certain situations Um, And they can speak truth into me. They're not swayed by the emotions of the situation, but can merely look at it 
as facts and saying, okay, this is what happened. This is how we need to move forward um, and help process in that way. Um, But also just to help as a sounding board for me to express feelings and emotions, um, but to help point me in the right direction um, to have a healthy response. Um, It's easy to want to just kind of unload on people. Um, But if we're not having someone on the other side, like a Christian counselor who's able to direct us um, and help us take next steps. Um, It's not super healthy. Um, But also it's having someone who can help reassure you when you might be doubting yourself, you might be doubting decisions you're making um, and saying, I think this is the right thing to do, but I'm having questions and they can help either say, yeah, you are in the right, you are doing the right thing um, or saying, hey, no, I think you are having a little skewed mindset here. Let me help point you back in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they can call you out when you might be saying one thing and doing another. Um, But that Christian counselor is so important. Um, And just having a counselor who has the same morals, values, and standards um, for your life so you can both be on the same page. Mm, I love it. Yes. Part of what our counselors are trained to help us with is determining whether or not the hard conversations are necessary. Sometimes we just simply need to protect our peace by doubling down on prayer and taking a season off of being around someone, or maybe it's a group of people. The cool part about this decision is that God defines our seasons, so we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to set a start and a finish to our season. We just need to draw close to the Lord and trust that he is going to guide us as as we take the time we need to heal. Now, other times our counselors may encourage us to be more proactive. Simply put, there are seasons where God calls us to have hard conversations. When relationships have gone too far or become unhealthy, it might be time for the hard conversation. It's not a chance to shame or blame the other person. It's an opportunity to lay a boundary line and lovingly speak the truth. Remember, a person that is emotionally and spiritually healthy and mature will respond positively to your boundary. And I'm going to add something else here. Jim Cress, who is a personal friend of Olivia and her husband, he's a licensed Christian counselor. He does a lot of work with Lisa Turkers. I think of him as someone who simply loves the Lord and speaks the truth in love. He said that a boundary without a consequence is a mere suggestion. When we are clear about our boundaries and our boundary is violated, there has to be a consequence. Think of it this way. If a boundary is being put in place to teach another person what is and is not acceptable in your relationship, there has to be a level of accountability from everyone involved. Consequences sound scary, but they are not punishment. In fact, they're the way that we protect ourselves from things going too far. I don't even have enough time to go through all of the scenarios in this message because consequences are going to look different across the board. But the bottom line is that we see the consequences all over scripture when the people disobeyed God. And if boundaries are a God idea, then so are consequences. They are truly the only way for everyone to be held accountable. Okay, here's the last one. Step four. This one is probably the most challenging, and it's that you have to be okay with reevaluating the other person's level of access and laying the boundary line. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice it doesn't say as for my friend or my mom or my cousin or my brother. It says as for me. 
Y'all, we are only going to be held accountable for our own choices. And we have such little control in this life. But a few things that we can control are the words that we say, the choices we make, and the people we surround ourselves with. There are so many scenarios where it could be time to reevaluate someone's level of access and draw a boundary line. And while there are certainly a lot of red flags and things that can come up in this area, I would first recommend seeking out a Christian counselor and working through the unhealthy relationship dynamics. It's important to remember that because our seasons are defined by God, this season of pausing and reevaluating can be temporary, not permanent. There are so many people in scripture that separated from one another, and some of them came back together while others did not. In fact, a few years ago, when I walked away from relationships, I would slam the door, deadbolt it, and never look back. This is something that I'm not proud of, and it's something that I've had to really work through. But in that season, there was no reevaluating because I could only see things through a black and white lens. But what I'm learning now is that I need to leave the door cracked for the God of the universe to do a work that only he can. It could be a month or a year, or even 10 years down the road, where God uses that cracked door to heal a broken relationship. By keeping the door cracked, we are protecting our peace, and we're not allowing bitterness and resentment to reside within us. We're not giving the enemy a seat at the table. Jeremiah 32 verse 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Y'all, God is capable of healing our wounds and the parts of our lives that feel broken. We just have to trust in him when we're in the valleys. He will always lead us through. And here's something that I found to be really comforting. Boundaries are widely accepted in healthy people and healthy relationships. There is no drama or lashing out because healthy people understand the importance of boundaries and they're okay with being held accountable. That's worth remembering when you start to draw your own boundary lines because I believe that sometimes God makes things abundantly clear in someone else's reaction and we don't want to miss that as we continue moving forward in our own healing process. Remember, we are only responsible for ourselves and our response, not another person's reaction. As we finish up this episode on boundaries as part of the healing process, I'm going to leave y'all with a piece of good news. We don't have to hold people accountable for their behaviors. God is going to do that, and he is the only one qualified to do so. We don't have to hold on to past hurts or keep track of wrongdoings or words that were said. We have the opportunity to forgive and to move forward in spiritual maturity and grace. I know I've talked a lot today, and I try not to do that when we have a guest speaker. Olivia, is there anything else that you would want to add about boundaries? Yeah. I mean, I could talk about this topic for so long, and if listening to this so far hasn't made you want to buy Lisa's um, Good Boundaries and Goodbye book, um, I'm going to read two quotes from the book just to give you a little bit more of a snippet. One's from Lisa, um, and one's from Jim Crest. But Lisa's, it says, we can't control what others believe. We can't control what others feel, and we can't control what others do, but we can control and be responsible for ourselves. And she says, as we've discussed before, boundaries aren't meant to control another person, but they're meant to make it possible for us to hold ourselves together. Uh, And then another quote from Jim Cress relating to the same thing, but it says, we have to accept that I am powerless to control other people. Instead, I must use my energy to limit my interactions with difficult people 
remove myself from destructive relationships and pursue loving well the people in my healthy relationships that deserve the best of me. And I think those two just sum up it so well. We can't control other people. We have control over ourselves. And so what do we have to do every day to make sure that we're living the best, healthiest life for, for ourselves and for our families? Uh, and all of God's people said, amen. Oh my word. Jim Crest nailed it. Y'all, I hope today has given you a little clarity on a topic that can be really misunderstood in our world. In this series on healing, it would be irresponsible to skip over the topic of boundaries. I truly believe that there are times when the most God-honoring and loving thing we can do is lay a boundary line. Remember, Jesus was the most boundary person, and as long as we are prayerful, honest, and able to speak the truth in love, there is healing and hope on the other side of boundaries. Olivia, I am so grateful for your sweet soul and the way that you lead and you love the Lord with all of your heart. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of not only praying for this ministry, but also for being here and sharing your thoughts with our listeners. You mean the world to me and I love you so much, girl. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. All right. I'm praying for y'all and I'll see you next week.